It's March 12th, and once again, it's Lent. And once again, a week into this time of giving up, I'm still trying to figure out what to give up. Does this happen to everyone else? When we were little, it was easy. Chocolates, candy, give up salty foods, or ice cream. One year, our son, who at the time was about 12 years old, actually gave up meat for the whole 40 days. He didn't eat meat for the whole of Lent, which meant that the rest of us also gave up meat for most of Lent because we were not going to make different meals for everyone. It meant that we ate a lot of fish and seafood and beans and peanut butter sandwiches. As adults, we do the adult equivalent. No alcohol and no cigarettes. Or how about no Coke or no coffee? Then we figure that this is too simplistic, and so instead of giving something up, we decide to do something extra, something we don't normally do, like volunteer at the soup kitchen, or we decide to do less and spend more time with family. But for me, as a deacon, it's the opposite. I'm already doing extra, and this is the time of the year when I am busiest. I recall my New Year's reluctant resolutions a few years ago to preach more and to give more to charity. I said that year that I was going to love more and complain less. That was a couple of years ago, and I feel like these are still ongoing. This year, I'm learning more about Mary and working on the total consecration to Jesus through Mary. Perhaps trying to figure out what to focus on during Lent is not that hard after all. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. And I'm Emily Callan. And we're very, very excited, Emily, actually, because um, we are here with someone else. We are. Yes, his name is Billy. Hello, everyone. This is Billy. Billy Chan. It's so good to have you. (laughs) Thank you very much. It's very excited for me to come here. So it's very good to have Billy here. And there's another reason why we're really excited, and it's because we actually haven't done this show in, like, since December. And that's because we've moved, and we're in a new space, and we're actually recording, finally, for the first time in our new... Studio. Our new radio (laughs) room. I know, we want to call it a studio. I feel like it's like the radio room, but we have space. We have a table, and we have three microphones, and... I mean, and it's still a little bit under construction. Yes, a little bit <laughs> under construction, but... But uh, um, but it doesn't sound like... It, hopefully, it, <laughs> it <laughs> sounds... I mean, we used to record in a closet, and, 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 and we call it the radio studio. Yeah. So you can imagine that it's this beautiful studio with lots of pictures on the walls. Um, maybe one day we'll have lots of pictures <laughs> on the walls. Anyway, but... So, Billy, the, um, the, our, our listeners are probably wondering, who is this Billy Chan, and why is he here? Um, Billy's going to be doing uh, a segment with us, and the segment Billy is called Church for Dummies. Church for Dummies. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. And, and why is it called Church for Dummies? Okay, let me introduce a little bit of myself first. Okay. Is it okay? Yeah. <laughs> Who is Billy Chan? So, I'm, a Ch- I'm, I'm Chinese. I originally from Hong Kong and moved to Montreal, Montreal. as a um, radio host for Chinese local uh, radio. For like seven years already, so uh, I really like to be with you. Right. Yeah. So, so you have a background in in in, in radio. Yeah. But that's not what you're doing here because you work for Salt and Light Media. Yes, I work here for website. Yes. I'm a web programmer. Willie is our web <laughs> guru. <laughs> web guru. He is our web guru. That's a good name for it. Um, and now he's going to be helping us with the Salt and Light Hour. Yes. Yes. Um, thank you, and thank you for letting me 
to to have a show to have a, a segment here. The segment is called the Church Alive. Uh, uh, not not the, the Church Alive. No, Church Alive is something else. <laughs> church for church. Church for dummies. For dummies. Okay, so now Emily doesn't know this, but Emily, so when Billy and I were talking about doing a segment, he randomly came up with this. I want to call it's it random. Church for Dummies. <laughs> yes, and and I like the title. It's good, but why why is <coughs> the church why is the church for dummies? I think um, um, when like long time ago there is a, a, a professor in Harvard University called um, Daniel Goleman. Uh-huh. He first uh, published a book called Emotional Intelligent Quotient. Yes, and that book actually changed a lot of people's mind about IQ. Because you know, before people think that you know if you can do math, if you can uh, memorize everything, and you are you you should be successful. Mm-hmm. But after that book coming up, there's a lot of like uh, uh, the people think that um, your emotional right. things can determine can determine um, your IQ level. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's no more standard. Mm-hmm. Right. You know you, you can be very creative. You can be uh, M- uh, musical. Musical everything. So. Now you know the term dummies need to change a bit, okay? So when when I when I think about that, I think about like um, the, uh, the the church for dummies. We we are Catholic, yes. And um, a lot of people saying that being Catholic is so dumb, right? It's very dumb because you need to go to church every Sunday. Yes, you need to fast. We just fast like a few days ago. Yes, and uh, we need to go to mass and you know right. All it's all about rules. Rules. Why you are being so like you know why why you are being Catholic, you know so right. we, we want to know why yes that's why the segment mm. I want to explore that you know why is so dumb to be Catholic, but I'm still Catholic yes and at the same time I think <laughs> that you, you and you made me realize that I mean Saint Paul talks about this about uh, being fools for Christ he doesn't say yeah, being dummies right, for Christ yeah. um, but so probably if, dummies the word is yeah, not have up here yet it's the new the translation <laughs> the new translation of Saint Paul is being dummies for Christ. Um, and and maybe we need to not be so proud and arrogant mm. that we're so amazing and and think that we're a little more humble yeah. and be be fools for Christ, be dummies for Christ. So that's that's all coming up with Billy in a little bit. Um, he's going to do his first segment today, and and uh, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> um, we have a jam packed show today. Of course, it's our, our first show in a long time. It seems like a long time. An all new Salt and Light Hour today. And uh, we will begin after this intro, as we do always with Emily in your news. So what, what's in the headlines today? Okay, so, uh, well, this week the Pope is on a retreat, a Lenten retreat. He does this every year. And so I'll just briefly chat about, about what he's doing this week. And uh, there's also a, a big thing that, that happened last week um, at the Vatican. Um, uh, someone uh, resigned from the Pontifical Council for the Protection of Minors. So right. I'll just, uh, you know, give you the... the keys, you know, to, to understanding that situation. Right. Okay, good. So details on all, on those stories are coming up with Emily in a little bit. And after that, we'll be Church for Dummies with Billy Chan. That's in about 15 minutes. And then, as always, we'll have uh, Connect 5 with Sebastian Gomes. And today, Sebastian speaks with Father Tom Smolik. He's the director of Jesuit Refugee Service. And, of course, they're going to speak about the church's response to our refugee crisis. That's at the end of our first half hour. Now, Emily, Billy, do you guys ever hear... People say, you know, like, oh, I can't believe Pope Francis said whatever. And then you know for sure that Pope Francis actually never said. I mean, you host Vatican Connection, so you know the Vatican. Like, he's so misunderstood and so misquoted. Um, it happens right, to you, right? Right, things are taken out of context. All the time. Yes, yeah. yes. All the time. Always. Okay, so I get it all the time. So um, our guest today is Tom Hoops. 
um, who just wrote a book called What Pope Francis Really Said. I love that title because <laughs> it's exactly what it is. So um, Tom Hoops and his book, What Pope Francis Really Said, will be joining us in our second half hour, and we're going to be speaking about you know how to discern when we hear that the Pope said something uh, that we think that he probably didn't say or something that it's a little strange, or when we hear something that the Pope says that we don't understand. I think that's also very useful. So Tom Hoops is going to join us in about half an hour. And surely you've heard of Josh Blakesley. Yes. Josh Blakesley has been on this program a few times. He's a, a very talented singer-songwriter, Catholic. Um, and he's going to be, he has a new uh, mass that he's publishing. Uh, it's called the Mass of Restoration. So that's always a, an excuse when someone puts out a new album, a good excuse to have him <laughs> back on the show <laughs> so we can listen to a little bit of music and also get a chance to reconnect with uh, Josh Blakesley. The Mass of Restoration is published by Oregon Catholic Press. So Josh is going to be with us at the end of the program. Um, so Wow. It'll be good. Lots of good music. Lots of mm -hmm. And we're going to start with a song. Actually, we're going to start with a little sampler. It's a little weird to play kind of liturgical music in the program. <laughs> you don't usually listen to like the Kyrie on the radio. Well, it's <laughs> Lent. <I laughs> but it is Lent. It's a good excuse for so, it. Yeah. So we're going to do exactly that. We're going to play a little sampler of the from the Mass of Restoration. Here's uh, the Gloria and Holy from uh, Josh Blakesley's Mass of Restoration. To God in the highest and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. Yeah. 
We just heard the Gloria and Holy from Josh Blakesley's new Mass of Restoration, published by Oregon Catholic Press. And we're going to be speaking with Josh in the second half of our program. But first, Emily's still here. I am still here. <laughs> with our news. Yes, exactly. Um, so first of all, um, as I was saying earlier, the Pope is on a Lenten retreat. This is something that he does every year. He's in Aricia, which is just outside of Rome. And so he's there with the Roman Curia. There's about 75 of them in this retreat house. And um, they're meditating on the Gospels of St. Matthew, um, and more specifically on the passion and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And um, the one who is preaching this retreat is a Franciscan father. Julio Michelini. Um, so the Pope is there this week and all of his activities have been suspended for the week. So there's no general audience or, you know, s other special audiences. However, um, the Vatican did release his schedule for the next couple months. And as we know, um, at the end of Lent, we're going to be celebrating Holy Week at the Vatican. And um, and as usual, he'll be presiding over uh, Holy Thursday Masses and as well as the Way of the Cross um, at the Colosseum in Rome, the Easter Vigil and uh, the um, Easter Sunday Mass. So th those things are all coming up. But there's also an important visit that he'll be doing at the end of March in Milan. So he'll be spending right. one day in Milan on the 25th. And this is an important visit because it's the first time he's going there since... Um, you know, since his uh, his election, and and this is a visit that that Pope Benedict has also done. And actually, when Pope Benedict went, um, he was there for for three days. So this is this is a major visit. He'll also be visiting uh, a prison there and and speaking freely with um, detainees um, and 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 personnel from from the prison right. uh, in Milan. Okay. Um, so those are just some of the things to look forward to in the coming weeks. Um, another thing that happened last week was the resignation of Mary Collins, who was yes. a founding member of the Pontifical Council for the Protection of Minors, which right. is a council created by Pope Francis in 2014. And it is uh, led by Cardinal Sean O'Malley, uh, Archbishop of Boston. And uh, she was the last remaining uh, surviving uh, victim of abuse um, on the panel. And so her voice was quite strong um, in the panel. And so it was a, a a very hard hit um, is what Cardinal Sean O'Malley was saying in a statement that he released. Um, so they're sad to see her go. And, uh, you know, they do recognize uh, her important contribution. And the Pope even, even you know, said to her that, uh, you know, he thanked her for, for her contribution to the commission. Her reasons for leaving, however, um, she was saying that, uh, there was, she feels there was a lack of cooperation on the part of um, certain mm -hmm. members in the Vatican. Um, and she felt resistance. And, and so, you know, in the position that she is, she just felt that it was time for her to, um, to go. And, uh, and it is a way, hopefully, to, to get things moving again and, and hopefully, uh, you know, not overcome the obstacles that, that they faced you know, in the commission within the Vatican to um, to really do their their work because overall, the job of the commission is not necessarily to deal with specific cases of abuse, mm -hmm. but to help uh, the congregation for the doctrine of faith um, to 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 deal with the uh, to with these cases. So right. they're really there to protect the young the young people and the vulnerable. Right in general, yes. Be interesting to see if they're going to try to replace her with someone that has right. 
a similar experience or background? Well, there is going to be a plenary. Um, I believe it's in, it's going to be in the coming weeks, perhaps in April. So the commission will meet and discuss um, the concerns that Mary Collins has brought up, um, you know, uh, when she resigned. And, uh, and so who knows what's going to happen mm-hmm. then. Okay. Well, thank you, Emily. I'm sure that we'll keep uh, hearing some um, uh, uh, developments on that particular story. And of course, we'll get to hear lots of uh, Pope Francis activities during Lent and Holy Week as we get closer to that. Thank you so much, Emily Callan, our uh, news producer here on the Salt and Light Hour. You can watch Emily every Friday on Vatican Connections. It's also very easy to find that show, Vatican Connections On Demand at saltandlighttv.org and also on our Roku channel. Hi, I'm Janelle, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can stay in touch with what's happening on this program by following me on Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. And now it's time for... Church for Dummies with Billy Chan... Thank you. Thank you for the name. I like well, it. Well, it's your name. You came up with it. <laughs> no, I mean the, the church dumb. The, the, yeah, when, no. when you say it, oh. you know, when you say it, it doesn't sound dumb. Because uh, yeah. I'm so excited about it. <laughs> so we're talking about names, and I know that you didn't want to talk about this, but so Billy, turns out that it's not your real name. <laughs> no, Billy is not my real name. Your Billy. real name is Su Kong. Yes. Su yes. Kong is your Chinese name. Correct. Correct. And Billy is just a random name that your mother used. It's, it's an English name that I need to enter to an English school but in you're, Hong Kong. But when you became a Christian, yes, your Christian name is not Billy. No, it's Joseph. It's Joseph. So yes. <laughs> okay. And so, my birthday's coming. And your birthday's coming up. Yeah. So and and the feast of Saint Joseph yes. is coming up too. Yes. Yes. Is that your birthday? No, my Mar- birthday. Okay. <laughs> that's March what 19th. I. That's what I meant. I thought okay. you will. Just catch it. Okay, so now everybody knows uh, if you like this segment with uh, Su Kong Chan, Billy Chan, you can uh, be uh, pay, pay attention when his birthday's coming up. He loves to receive lots of messages. I love it. I will reply. On your birthday. Yeah. Okay, so this is our first segment, Billy. Yes. Church for Dummies. Yes. What do we do? I don't know. It's your segment. I don't know. What yes. The, what you, know, doing? Uh, you know, we explained a little bit about, you know, why we called, called it dumb. You yes. Know? But, you know, you know, I, I do not know. You know, we, when we talk about that, you know, we do not like to call somebody dumb. No. Right? You know, when when, when we think about dumb, it sounds like, you know, very... You're insulting them. Yeah. It, it, uh, it's rude. And then the, the, the word is... I do not... I also do not like to use the word like stupid, right? No, of you course know? not. <laughs> yeah, no. There's a reason why we didn't call this the church for stupid people. The church for dummies sounds a little better. Yes, yes. So I really want to go deep into, you know, what why we... Why we are still Catholic in year two thousand seventeen, you know? Okay. And, okay. So you know the first question I want to ask you, since you are deacon. Okay. Now you, are, I'm interview you. Oh, the, okay. This is what we're doing. The reason is this, you know, Catholic, you know, uh, by uh, uh, church for dummies. Yes. You no, know, I am the dummy. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and you say yes, yes so honestly, yes. so honestly, in your face, you know. <laughs> Good thing that there aren't any cameras in here. <laughs> yes. So you know, let me let me ask you some question, and we can actually you know talk about. Okay, that, and you know? we can talk about. So we're unpacking. Yes. Church teaching or church yes. concepts. I have been teaching in like Sunday school for like ten years. Yes. In Montreal. Yes. And um, the the first almost always the first question that people ask me. Why do you believe 
in Bible. In the Bible, okay. So you know, it's already like year two thousand seventeen. Yes. And you know, why do we still believe it? Um, why is like you know we 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 yeah. we we deal with it is very seriously, but it's two thousand years ago. Yeah. And is it true? We can we yes. prove it? Yeah, I know. You no, know, but no, I know. I but you're asking you, me. Yes, I'm asking you. You know, can can you have a like a uh, better answer than me? <laughs> no, here I'm going to give you a very. I, I, and you know what? This is what I like about this, Billy, is that it's not just you. I mean, you and me are sitting in this studio, but we have thousands of people listening so if people yeah. are listening and you have an answer for billy we want you to send us your answers yes that's great okay twitter facebook email radio at saltandlighttv.org at deacon pedro gm i don't know what that was um <laughs> a special sound effect of people sending us emails maybe already <laughs> already and and billy also has twitter at b joe chan because his name is joseph b joe chan uh, well i'm going to put all this on our site so you can find it easily so um we believe when someone whom we trust tells us something because we trust on on that person. So yes. if I trust you, Billy, I I could say that I have faith in Billy. So if you call me and you say, sorry, I can't do the segment today because I'm sick, and you trust I, I don't have to go and prove it, right? <laughs> to go and investigate because I trust you. If my wife calls me and she says, uh, our son is in the hospital. You will run. I will run because I believe her. I trust, I have faith in her. So, so when someone I trust tells me that the Bible is truth, I believe it if I trust that person that tells me that. So the question is not do we believe the Bible? The question is do we trust the church that tells us that the Bible is something? Do we trust the early apostles or the early Christians who said this is the word of God? Do we trust uh, uh, St. John at the end of his gospel when he says, you know, there's so many things that we can write that could not be contained in this book, right? We trust it because we trust the person that is behind that. So that's, I would say, is the short, the short answer. That if someone I trust, and in this case, we can say that it's the church, tells me something, I'm not going to dismiss it very easily. Maybe I don't understand it, but because I trust and I have faith in that person or that institution, I'm going to go and I'm going to go on a, uh, in faith and find out more. So basically, you trust the person instead yes. of you know. Because, yes. you know, you trust the person first. Yes. Then you go into the Bible. Yes. So if you have, so that's why you don't, I would never start catechism or, or teaching by giving you a, I mean, I, I might say read the Bible, but the first thing we need to do is you have a relationship with Jesus Christ because that's where it starts. So, because that's the person. So I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ to the point that I get to trust Jesus Christ. And then if Jesus Christ says, this is my word. I'm giving you this book because this is my word and my word is alive, then it's Jesus telling me that. And that is very, very funny. I mean, why is that funny? It's because of when I <laughs> when I think about yeah. when I was young, like uh. when I was uh, like maybe three, four years old, and my teacher teach me one plus one equal to two. And and I trust it right you away. Believe it. And I won't even ask why. Yes. But when I was in the university, <laughs> right. I will ask why. Prove it. Yes. Please prove it. Why? Yeah. I don't trust it anymore. And I think that with the Bible, you can. I mean, if you wanted to go and do the research, you can prove. I mean, the Bible is not a historical document uh, the way we have history now. So you can mm -hmm. look at the Bible and say, is it factual? So did Adam and Eve really exist? 
Oh, I probably I, not. So because it's not, but it, but that doesn't mean that it's not truth. So what is the truth that is telling? Did Jesus actually multiply, you know, five loaves and two fish? Maybe he did, and and we we believe that he did. But that's not the point of that story, because factually that may or not be true. Maybe there were five thousand men. Maybe there were ten. I don't know. It's not about the facts. It's about the truth that Jesus takes the little bit that we bring him and he multiplies it right yes. and so that we can but he starts with us you know what do you have what do you feed them and then he takes it and multiplies so that's the truth it's not factually true necessarily but it's truth and that I think you can uh, find through evidence yes does that make sense yeah you, 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 it does but are you less dumb I am I am less dumb but the thing is this you know <laughs> when we if we keep going on this you will be you know, like two hours discussion because there will be when you bring it bring it up like yes those miracles, you know, why those miracles? And uh Adam and Eve, I got a lot of questions, people asking me, Is it true? We only yes. you know our parents are Adam and Eve? <laughs> so is that gonna you be know, is that gonna be the next be. question for the next segment? Um depends. You know, that depends on if there any anyone, any audience want to ask any question through me right to you. Perfect. Then um tweet me. Good, absolutely. And if you have a better answer, because mine might have not been very good, <laughs> please send it to us. Uh, let us know what you want to know about the church. Um, but that means that you have to admit that you're a dummy too. So thank you, Billy. Thank you. Billy Chan, he's a former radio host and our web guru here at Salt and Light Media. You can follow him and send him questions at B, that's the letter B, B Joe Chan. Hi, this is Jason Everett from ChastityProject.com, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. How are you going to spend the next five minutes of your time? How about listening in, meeting a fascinating person, and learning something relevant that will broaden your perspective? Sit down with Sebastian Gomes and go straight to the heart of the matter. Here's Connect 5. Today, Sebastian speaks with the director of Jesuit Refugee Service, Father Tom Smolik. They reflect on the attitudes and responsibilities of influential countries on the global refugee crisis. Father Tom, we're currently witnessing the greatest refugee crisis worldwide since the Second World War, and there's a lot of tension uh, because of it in the world. now. You know, our media and uh, our culture tends to focus on what's happening specifically in Europe, on the borders of Europe, with refugees coming across the Mediterranean or through Turkey into, into Europe. And uh, there's political tension, there's social tension, there's religious tension, it's all there. Uh, but w when you look specifically at the crisis, what do you think is the Western world's responsibility, Europe's responsibility, North America, the developed world's responsibility in responding to this global crisis? Let me approach that in two different ways. One, I think, is taking an honest look at our role in creating these crises. I think as we're filming this today, Syria is a little quieter than it was a couple of years ago. Syria cannot be resolved by Syria. It's all of the various players who, in a sense, are telling Syria what to do or what not to do. I think we have to acknowledge that our sort of um, global politic, our ways of entering into different conflicts, entering into different situations, has an effect on what happens in terms of this whole refugee crisis. 
one campaign which has gone on for a number of years. Congo is an, an, a constantly in flux place. Um, your, our, our cell phones de de uh, depend upon the minerals which come out of Congo. Right. That is a conflict area because people are taking those minerals. We play a certain role. It may not be direct. So I think one thing would just be to acknowledge that we have some responsibility for what's going on. I think the second piece is we do have responsibility as, I would say, Christians, as people with resources, as people who really should be extending sisterhood, brotherhood to those more in need. I'm not saying we open our borders. I'm not saying that we meet every refugee, every migrant's need. But what I would say is we need to offer constructive and reasonable ways that people whose lives are in danger can receive protection, can receive a new start. We need to provide some help in those parts of the world who are bearing the brunt of supporting refugees. 86% of refugees are in the developing world, not in, not in Europe, not in North America. Those are the countries bearing the, the primary burden of supporting uh, refugees throughout the world. What can we concretely do to help them in their service? The argument against sort of creating some open doors for these refugees to come into our parts of the world are, uh, a lot of them are based on, on fear, fear of instability in different ways, economic, political, social, religious, whatever it might be. Uh, how do you respond to those uh, critiques or those arguments to say, no, I mean, these people need to stay in their part of the world because we need to look after ourselves? Sure. Well, I think our two countries, Canada and the U.S., we have a history of being countries which have welcomed successive waves of migrants. And at least in the U.S., there's been push and pull on that. Sometimes it's open, sometimes it's, it's, it's more shut. So this is part of our history, and we can do it. I want to echo what you said. There are things to be afraid of. There are certainly fears out there. The world is not all perfect. But I would say from a spiritual point of view, to make decisions based out of fear is a temptation. It is the evil spirit. And a lot of, this po a lot of the political posturing, a, a, a lot of the talk right now is using fear to get, what, to get what you want or what I want. The gospel, I think, calls us to look on the situation, to look on these people as Jesus does. And that would give us a very different perspective on how we deal with this crisis. Very quickly, uh, what do you think a possible solution would be to, to this global refugee crisis that we're experiencing? I mean, obviously, it's very complex. But if you could offer just you know, an insight, what would, you, what would you say? Put Catholic social teaching into practice. All right, Father Tom, thanks very much. Most welcome. Thank you. That was Sebastian Gomes speaking with Father Tom Smolik, Director of Jesuit Refugee Service, about the Church's response to the current refugee crisis. You can watch this and more interviews at saltandlighttv.org slash connect5. Coming up in our second half hour, what Pope Francis really said and a featured chat with Josh Blakesley, so stay tuned. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Now, I cannot begin to tell you the number of times that people in my parish come to me complaining about something that the Pope said or, or they're excited that the Pope finally said something about something that's important to them. 
More often than not, I'm pretty sure that the Pope never said anything remotely close to what that person claims was said. So I was very interested when I read an article in the Catholic Digest titled Defend Pope Francis by Tom Hoops. And I found out that Tom Hoops had written a book, a whole book on this topic. And so I am very, very happy to welcome Tom Hoops to the Salt and Light Hour to talk to us about what Pope Francis really said. Tom, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Great to be here. Thank you. So why did you feel that it was important to write this book? Well, we have a blessing in Pope Francis in that we have a pope who speaks off the cuff. Uh, He kind of speaks his mind. That's his great charm. He says what he wants to say. Uh, That's also, you know, everybody's greatest weakness is their greatest strength, and everybody's greatest strength is their greatest weakness. Yeah. So his casual sort of conversational manner the great thing for the church is also creates new problems, and that's that uh, he says things that sometimes are misinterpreted and then misreported by the media. Yeah. So we'll hear them third hand, and they'll be totally wrong. Sometimes he says things that, in a certain context, that makes them make sense. Where out of that context, they don't make sense. And sometimes he says uh, part of something somewhere and part of something somewhere else. So he presents a, a, a great opportunity for Catholics, but also a, a challenge to try to find out, as the book title says, what Pope Francis yeah. really said. Yeah, let me stop you there for a second, because I, I have two questions now that I thought. Do you think, because I've had people tell me that he's a great communicator, and also people tell me that he's not a great communicator for those reasons that you explained. So what, what, what is your opinion? Well, okay, in the United States, we recently had this election between somebody who's very yes. scripted and by the book and somebody who's very, very free and open with his opinions. And I think that the, you know, the, the President Trump is obviously a very problematic figure from any number of perspectives, particularly from a Catholic perspective. Yes. But he definitely has been able to connect with people because he speaks his mind freely. Right. Pope Francis speaks his mind freely, and that is a little bit problematic for us. We're used to uh, popes who are very careful in what they say, and particularly, we're used to university professor popes. Yes. You stop and think about it. Yes. We have Pope John Paul II, who spent, uh, who had a career in academia before he entered church service. Yeah. We also had uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, who became Pope Benedict XVI and had a career in academia, uh, where he was a university lecturer before he was uh, pope. Mm-hmm. And these, uh, being in the university academic environment, trains your brain to say only the precise thing that you need to say, and also to give people all the nuance and qualifications that they need whenever you say anything. Right. So we got a little bit spoiled by these popes who have this ability to communicate, which comes from academia, Yeah. Uh, and so that when we have a regular guy as a pope, if you want to put it that way, I mean, uh, yes. anybody who's a cardinal is not exactly a regular guy, but when we have uh, Pope Francis, and he says things, and he's not as careful and not as qualified and not as uh, precise as these university professor popes, uh, then we can easily uh, get the wrong story from the media or Mm -hmm. get the right story out of context. Now, do you think that there's also the the fact that, and maybe this is because of Pope Francis's style, that he is reported more in the secular media? Um, Oh, well, yeah, exactly. And that, again, is, you know, greatest strength is your greatest weakness. The greatest strength is that we hear about him all the time. Yeah. Greatest weakness is that we hear about him all the time. Yeah, exactly. Because he, uh, everything he says, every move he makes seems to be newsworthy. And actually, so people get disturbed by some of the things that Pope Francis has said. 
what they don't realize is that these are exactly the same things yeah. in many cases that yeah. Pope John Paul II and Pope Benedict said. Right. But we just never heard about them because exactly. they weren't covered wall-to-wall like Pope Francis And is. because maybe, they, as you said, they didn't say it. I mean, you read, I don't know, anything by John Paul II, and it's like the very precise language and, and the, a sentence that is the whole paragraph because there's no way you can misinterpret it. And then Francis just kind of summarizes the whole thing in a off-the-cuff sentence that's right. very... Right, and not only off-the-cuff, yeah. but he speaks very colorfully and yes. very memorable. And he's, yes. he's, his phrasing is very to the point. Right. And so it kind of, it, it's very media-friendly. So we it end is. up hearing a lot more of these comments. These sound bites, And we yeah. hear them out of context, and we get the wrong impression. And uh, we need to stop for a moment and do three things. Is what I, I like to give these three things you need to do when you hear a yeah, yeah, Pope yeah. Francis quote that disturbs you. One is to find out what he really said. Exactly. And the book, what Pope Francis really said, is helpful from this perspective, but mm -hmm. also there's websites, the Vatican website and uh, Catholic uh, News Agency and others. Yes. Um, secondly, you need to find out if Pope John Paul II and Pope Benedict said, the, said the same actually thing. the same thing. So if you're concerned about something that they said about... Well, something Pope Francis said about small-minded rules, you can find out that Pope Benedict said essentially the same thing. If you're right. worried about the global warming stance that Pope Francis takes, you can find out that John Paul II and Benedict had exactly, exactly. the same stance. Uh, and then the third thing you need to do is look at the Gospels. Uh -huh. Pope Francis is uh, so harsh about sins about money, and sometimes a little bit, uh, he seems to be a little bit, a bit more easygoing about sexual sins. Mm -hmm. You look at how Jesus treated prostitutes on the one hand, right. and tax collectors, yes. and then on the other hand, how harsh he was about, uh, you know, a rich man will never enter the kingdom of heaven, and etc. And you'll find that sometimes what's bothering you about Pope Francis is something that Je should be bothering you about Jesus, and it shouldn't be bothering you at all because it's Jesus who right. said it. Right, exactly. Now, um, w what would be an example, uh, maybe one of your more uh, prominent examples of this chronic misquoting of Pope Francis? Well, the Pope, go uh, the book goes through so many examples yes. of this. There's the, you know, who am I to judge example, yes. which depending on where you stood in your understanding of the Church's teaching on homosexuality, if you look at the full quote that Pope Francis really said, you either were untroubled by it because it's basically a paraphrase of the yes. catechism, yes, or you didn't understand where the church stood and you thought that he was saying something utterly different from what he was actually saying. Uh, that's a classic. There's just been example yeah, after yeah, yeah. example, and unfortunately, there's too many examples to bring up the whole long list. No, uh, but that's why the book is helpful. Yeah, no, and that but that's a good example because I think that's the one. I mean, what yeah. you say, and what the context was, was, a real gift who he was he, talking to. He, he he distinguished two different uh, groups. He, he distinguished uh, homosexual activists who want to change laws in order to allow for more homosexual activity, and the gay lobby is what he called it, on yes. the one hand. So he, activism on the one hand, and homosexual people who are struggling with this, but also are uh, you know following the Lord, and they want to follow uh, God, and they want to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, he said, who am I to judge in the second case? Yes. So it was really a gift because it very helpfully parsed the whole situation that you face in terms of these activist issues. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so you, you should always find out who he was speaking to and why. So in that he was speaking to uh, a, a reporter on an airplane, but he was talking about whether or not there were activist groups in mm -hmm. the Vatican. Mm -hmm. He wasn't at the talking about 
uh, the whole ethical situation right. of, exactly. of, of sexuality exactly. at the moment. Now, what do you what do you say to people who disagree or don't like what the Pope says, whether the Pope really said it or not? Well, the book is called Words. Uh, the subhead of the book is called Words of Comfort and Challenge. Yes. And I think you can find both in this Pope. You can find words of great, great comfort, where he he gives faith a chance. He says, you know, go meet people and tell them about Jesus. And and the more he even says in in, uh, his uh, first apostolic letter uh, that we should be bringing up Jesus in conversations with strangers at work, Mm -hmm. at the ballpark, Mm -hmm. uh, and that we should work prayer into that conversation if possible. So he's those are words of comfort. He's very much a Pope who's in line with John Paul the second, and Benedict. And then there's also words of challenge. He'll say things that will rattle our cage and will be un, uh, unexpected right. and something that we're uncomfortable with. And in that case, what you need to do is sit and listen at the feet of the Pope and trying to figure out what exactly he's saying, how it can better your life, how it can challenge a misconception you may have in your life. And if you end up parting ways with him on something that falls short of faith and morals, that's okay don't have to agree with every single thing that the Pope says, but you should listen respectfully to what the Pope says and uh, refrain from tearing him down in public, because that does no good for the Church and it does no good for our friends if we start tearing down the Pope in public. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, We're going to leave it there, Tom, Um, but thank you so much. I I love the book. I've been passing it on to a whole bunch of people because uh, everybody seems to be concerned about what the Pope says, whether they agree or disagree. And as you said it, uh, um, we need to to stand behind the Pope. Um, Thank you so much for sharing a little bit of uh, what you know and what you do with us today. Great. Thank you very much. Tom Hoops is the former editor of the National Catholic Register. He's also the writer-in-residence and vice president of college relations at Benedictine College, where he teaches in the journalism and mass communication department. His latest book, What Pope Francis Really Said, Words of Comfort and Challenge, is published by Servant Books. You can learn more at franciscanmedia.org. You can also, especially if you're in Canada, you can buy that book through Amazon. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Josh Blakesley, with Home Again from his album, Even in This. Lord, I hear you gently calling. You say, come, be close to me. Lord, I'm here now, heart surrendered. I know you are all I need Oh, your love takes me in Oh, your love takes me in Oh, your love takes me in I am home again my heart sing out with praise 
That was the Josh Blakesley Band with Home Again from their album, Even In This. Now, last time Josh Blakesley was on our program, he had just released his Even In This album. It was his fifth album. Now Josh has released a new mass setting, Massive Restoration, that he wrote in collaboration with his guitar player, Gray McCullough. Their goal was to pay homage to the hymns of the past and at the same time, the culture of modern worship. And to tell us more, I'm very happy that uh, we're now joined by Josh Blakesley. Josh, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Uh, thanks for having me, Deacon Pedro. Good to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you. So, um, pay. I, I, I'm going to pick on this because pay homage to the hymns of the past and the culture of modern worship. What, what do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, well, so we do a lot of music that is uh, it's contemporary in nature. I mean, we. Uh, I mean, we've. We play, I would say, 90% of the music that we do is in churches. Um, and it, it, you know, I travel with a band. There's four of us all together. And, yeah. you know, it's bass, drums, electric guitar, acoustic guitar. And so we yeah. we have a more contemporary vibe when we play, you know. But in writing mass parts, we wanted to keep in mind the history of the church, the traditions of the church, what congregations have been used to singing for uh, I mean, for years and years, all the way back, yeah. you know, two thousand years even. Yeah. And so, um, and so we went back and looked at the the way that uh, Mozart and Bach and and some classical composers okay. used motifs. Wow. Yeah. To uh, to to represent choruses or refrains because we don't have that in in liturgical music. There's not yes. a chorus like you would hear on a pop song or whatever. And yes. So, yeah, so that's kind of what we tried to do with this uh, with this setting. Yeah. Okay, good. Because my next question was going to be how how do you do that? So you so you can you give an example? So you mean like there's like a musical melody that is used over and over? This is for people who might be don't know what a motif is. So is that what you mean? Yeah. The little melody that they yeah, use? that's exactly right. I yeah. mean, for the Gloria, sometimes people use a refrain. You know, they'll go back to Glory, God in the highest. But yes, um, liturgically, but we that's didn't not, want yeah. it. So for time, yeah, and 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 to be to go straight through verbatim, we wanted to be able to sing that straight through. Um, and so to do that without a refrain, it presents a little bit of a problem in yes. terms of what people are used to hearing, you know, in, in modern music. And so the way that we tried to remedy that was by using a same melodic theme, you know. So we'll repeat that same melody, although the words are different. Right. And it kind of almost acts as a refrain to the ear, you know. Right. It does. And so we did that even throughout different mass parts, you know, the Kyrie and the Lamb of God and the, you know, there's, there's different, um, different themes and, and right. melodies that we use throughout. Throughout. Uh, so, so a melody, so a melody that you use in the Gloria might, might be very similar or the same melody that you use in the Holy Holy, for example, so that they're creating. That's a, right. Right. Now it's interesting because I, I always thought of the mass, I mean, the mass is a soundtrack, right? So if you listen to a soundtrack of a film or even a musical, they do the same thing. You know, you listen to Sondheim yeah. and he's he's using the same motif or the same melody or the th- same musical theme. Yeah. So you're looking at the right. mass as if it was, I mean, a soundtrack, really. Does that make right. sense? Right, yeah. yeah, soundtrack for the liturgy. Yeah, yeah a soundtrack for the liturgy, yeah, exactly. Um, was it important to you to try to, to, I remember I think once I was at a Marty Haugen liturgical music workshop and he was saying that, yeah. you know, I mean, you have music groups that are, 
just guitar or just one guitar player that can only play three chords. And then you have other music groups that you have the piano and others are a full band. Others is just organ. Was it, were you kind of sensitive to the fact that some, that this mask could be done with different instrumental settings? Does it work with organ? Does it work with, I mean, it works with guitar and and piano. We know it does. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Actually, I was just, uh, just last week started recording organ, uh, organ parts for it to, you know, to try to translate all of this to organ for, you know, I mean, some people hear the recordings and they go, Oh, that's great for guitar, but I don't really hear that for organ. Yeah. 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 So I want to try to record it that way so that people can hear, uh, the different, the different ways it can be uh, translated to people. But th- these sessions, we actually were thinking, okay, there, there is a, just a gob of, of guitar play, acoustic guitar players who go out every summer to summer camps across the country, and, um, and they're doing work camps, and they're doing summer camps, and they're doing music for all of these different conferences and events, and it's just one guy with his acoustic guitar or one, one girl with her acoustic guitar, and they're trying so hard to find a mass setting that translates and uh and so that's why we wanted to do this acoustic just to let people know here's an option this is for you for you know like if you've got just an acoustic guitar you can do this mass part yeah no that that's very good and i I think that's one of the things i like i like about it that it's 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 meant to be used and people can use it um why the title why massive restoration yeah well, the the parish that Gray and I, um, Gray is a, a co-writer on on the mass yeah. parts, and and he and I are, um, we are uh, associate music directors at Our Lady of Prompt Sucker Parish in Alexandria, Louisiana, and so okay. uh, we say Prompt Sucker. It's actually French. It's supposed to be Prompt Secour. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> and we and we have terribly we've ruined it terribly. I don't know, over the years. I don't know how that happened. But anyway, yeah. Um, that. We didn't want to. We felt like it would be difficult for people to say Mass of Our Lady of Prop Sucker or Our Lady of Prop Secour. <laughs> yes, and already yes, there's of confusion. Course. Like, okay, well, do we pronounce it with French or do we, ha- you know? Yeah. Um, and so, so then we set out to start to try to find the the right uh, the right name for it. And it was that we wrote these during the times where the mass the text was changing for the mass parts and. Right. Um, and there was a lot of talk of renewal and bringing these this new text into the church because we wanted to we wanted to enliven the liturgy a little bit and get closer to the original Latin. But we we wanted there was there was talk about change and and renewal and and so restoration kind of fit in with that. I see. Um, yeah. And in the same way, there yeah, there was there was some there was some kind of interesting things going on too in, in our own community and. Uh, some loss of life even that was going on and, and a lot of people were in need of healing and, and revival during that time and so it just spoke to our community I think too like yeah. this is a this these hopefully these will bring some healing and restoration to, that's, that's to the good. listener yeah no and that's good too that it feels that you're you're making it sound like it's not the Josh Blakesley mass but it's it's the, really the mass of your parish of your community that's right. That's why we wrote it. We really yeah. did. We wanted to make it an offering to the to the parish and um, something singable for them when those mass parts were coming out and yeah. the changes were were happening. We wanted to we wanted to make something singable so people it would be easy for people to make that change. Yeah, well, that's yeah. good. Um, I know that you're going to be in Canada in the next couple months. Anything else coming down the pipes? Are you working on any new recordings or? Uh, we are always writing for the next uh, yeah. the next project. Um, so hoping for 2018 on the on the next project. Okay, and, good. 
Um, yeah, we'll be we are, we'll be in Milwaukee and uh, not this weekend, but next, and uh, and then New York the weekend. Yeah, you're that. all over and, the place. Uh, yeah. So, Actually, so, yeah, I actually, actually, for our listeners, because we have listeners all over. I mean, if you're if you like the Josh Blakesley band, he's gonna be in the between now and October. He's Louisiana, Wisconsin, New York, New Jersey, Texas, Missouri, Florida, North Carolina. He's gonna be at Steubenville in Toronto, and other Ontario cities: Napanee, Brockville, Kingston, Ontario. So, uh, the, uh, lots lots happening there. All you need to do is go to Josh's website, uh, joshblakesleyband.com. And you can find out where they're going to be. Um, you didn't bite. I said, "Any? Are you working on any new projects?" And you actually told me that you're working on a new project, but you didn't tell me anything about it. So I'm assuming that it's top secret. <laughs> <laughs> just, just just writing yeah just writing just writing okay okay we'll just have to keep our uh, uh, uh have to keep bugging you to see if uh, we can uh, find out more about that but when it comes out i'm looking forward right. to uh, to hearing it josh great to awesome. have you on the show great to talk to you um hopefully i'll get to see you when you're in town in july or june yeah. whenever that is and uh thanks for doing what you do in fact i think that my my uh our youth group at the church is going to start using massive restoration as well so it's oh, uh, that's very great. cool very cool that's good to hear all right. Thank you very much. Blessings, you Thank too, you. my Thank friend. You so much. All right. All right. Bye. You can learn more about Josh Blakesley and the Josh Blakesley Band and purchase his music at their website. As I said, joshblakesleyband.com. I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily. The Massive Restoration is published by Oregon Catholic Press, and you can get it there as well, as well as sheet music, so you can play it at church at ocp.org. Here now is the Josh Blakesley Band with Revive Us from their album, Even in This. listening to the Josh Blakesley Band with Revive Us from their album Even in This. And that will bring us to the end of our program this week. Remember that you can always reach us via email, Facebook, or Twitter at Salt and Light TV, or you can reach me, Deacon Pedro, through Facebook or Twitter. And me at Emmy Callen. You can also contact us via direct voice message right off our webpage, saltandlighttv.org slash radio if you remember Billy you met Billy today Billy Chan set that up so please use it you can comment on anything that you hear on this program we will read or listen to every message and hey maybe we will read some of them or play them on the air so go to your computer or your mobile device and send us a message now if you missed any part of this program you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at that same webpage saltandlighttv.org slash radio and that's also where we post links to our artists and guests this show would not be possible without the support of our featured artists and all our guests so check them out and support their work Thank you for listening. May you continue having a blessed Lenten season. I'm Emily Callen. And I'm Deacon Pedro. And this has been the The Salt Salt and Light Light Hour. Hour.